Well, good morning, church. If you uh, ever came to my house, you might get invited to play Uno. If you don't know, Uno's this card game. I don't know who invented it. It's been around a really long time. It's a, it's a number and color sort of game, and, and we play it all the time at our house. Oftentimes, it's uh, about bedtime, and our son Simon will say, Hey, can we play Uno? To which most of the time we say, yeah, let's, let's gather up, let's play Uno. Now, I think Simon's the one asking because I've never known anybody in my entire life that can string together victories in Uno faster and longer than that kid. I mean, it is incredible. Here he is, five years old, and he wins hand after hand after hand. And of course, he celebrates in mocking fashion over you. <laughs> now, if you're anything like me, you're a tad bit annoyed by this. Because there's a competitive spirit running through your veins. And it doesn't matter if it's Uno on the living room floor. You want to win. In fact, you want to stand in prominent victory over your own son and go, <laughs> Now, in order to get this accomplished, you think about, you're tempted... Well, to sell a little slice of your credibility by stacking the deck in your favor. If you play Uno, if you've ever played this card game, you know there's the, such a thing as a draw four. What you would like to do is put just enough draw fours in your hand to make sure that that little punk never wins again. <laughs> You're tempted to cheat. And the moment that you cheat and you're found out, it doesn't really matter, does it? If it's a card game on the living room floor or something much, much larger, there's a bomb that goes off. I've known students that have cheated. I mean, it seems like a good idea at the time, doesn't it? Oh, I, I need a grade, I need a scholarship, I need a GPA. And the right thing to do at the time just seems to be like, well, I'll copy the answers, I'll get something from the internet, I, I'll, uh, I'll just make sure just this once that I get the grade, I need the A, I need the GPA, I need the scholarship. And then they get called into the teacher's office. Uh, they get called into the dean's office and they're going to be dismissed. They're going to lose a scholarship. They're not going to get an A. The GPA isn't going to come through. And in those moments, a bomb goes off. It's a, it's a grenade. It just, all of the hopes and dreams, the A goes up in smoke. Uh, the scholarship is gone. And graduation might not even be a possibility. All because, all because someone chose to cheat. 
around this time of year. It's April 7th. April 7th, everybody. Next week is April 14th. What comes after the 14th? The 15th. Yeah. That's a red letter day for all of us in America, isn't it? Yeah. April 15th. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's a red letter day, April 15th, IRS day. And, and some of us, some of us may, may even feel tempted to cheat on our taxes. I mean, we've made this much over here, but we really want to try and claim that we've only made this much because we really would like uh, to give the government a little less money. And yet when we have that audit come through, uh, perhaps it is that a bomb goes off, a grenade, it just goes boom. And suddenly there is, there is pieces uh, of us everywhere. And we haven't just affected us, we've affected our families and perhaps others who entrusted us. And I may not have to tell you that what's true of Uno games and school and taxes can be a reality in your marriage. That people can choose to cheat. But I want you to know this morning that, that cheating in your marriage is setting a bomb, it's setting a grenade off in your marriage and when it goes off, it will hurt you, it will hurt your spouse, it will hurt your family and the ripple effects will just continue to go. You know the crazy thing is that God was cheated on? Do you know that? No. These are rhetorical questions, okay? <laughs> You're awesome, dude. You're awesome. That <laughs> uh, cracks me up. I love it. God was cheated on. He was cheated on, actually, by the nation of Israel. These were his people. And God uses the image of marriage to talk about his relationship with his people. And, and, and there's several times throughout the prophets that God comes back and he tells the people of Israel, hey, uh, what's the deal? You, you have been committing adultery. You've cheated on me. And God himself, uh, we imagine at least from reading through uh, the prophets, that, that God himself understands the deep betrayal when one cheats if you would turn, turn with me to the prophet of Jeremiah turn to Jeremiah would you please Jeremiah chapter 3 I want you to hear that God was cheated on Jeremiah chapter 3 so after the big book of Isaiah comes Jeremiah Before Lamentations, God has been cheated on.
Jeremiah chapter, chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 6. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 6. During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, Have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on a high hill and under every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. He comes in and he says to, to all of Israel, to his people, to this uh, relationship that God has said is like a marriage sort of relationship. And he has said, you've cheated on me. If that weren't enough, if you were to go over uh, to Hosea, the entire book of Hosea is really about God's relationship with his people. And he has the prophet Hosea uh, marry an unfaithful woman uh, to try and help Israel understand who she has been to him. And the overwhelming message is that Israel, God's people, have continued to cheat on God. Uh, verse 2 of the opening chapter of Hosea says this, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman, have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Even God was cheated on. And if God can be cheated on, if it's possible for people to cheat on the God of the universe who has consistently provided for them, who has overwhelmed them with grace, then it is possible for you and I in our marriage relationships to cheat. And so this morning, I want you to know the ways in which we cheat. There are several different ways in which you and I might be tempted to cheat on our spouse. And I want you to hear that. Not only do I want you to hear how it is that we could potentially cheat on our spouses, of course, I want you to hear how it is that you might avoid the grenade that might be available for you. I want you to avoid throwing the bomb and the grenade in the middle of your marriage so that it blows up. I want you, I want you to, to, to be able to, to say, I, I'm not going anywhere near that. If you want to avoid killing your marriage, there's some decisions that you might have to make and be intentional about so that you don't cheat. And if this morning you walked in and you find that you are cheating, that you're cheating your spouse in one way or another, then I want you to hear how it is that you can be restored. Restored to God and restored to your spouse. If you say, you know what, I'm about to kill my marriage. I want you to be able to hear this morning without a shadow of a doubt that there's something that you can do to save your marriage. So what are some of the ways that you and I can cheat? What are some of the ways that you and I might be tempted from one 
time or another to, to cheat on our spouse. Now, of course, the most obvious one, the one that everybody thinks of, the one that is mentioned in the Bible more than once, when you and I choose, when you and I choose to give ourselves an intimacy to physically or emotionally to someone other than our spouse, we choose to cheat. When you and I choose to intimately give ourselves over, emotionally or physically, to someone other than our spouse, we choose to cheat. And that's the one that time and again, uh, the Old Testament is is filled with opportunities uh, for God to say, hey, if you're involving yourself in someone phys- with someone physically and intimately other than your spouse, you are absolutely cheating. In fact, uh, the Old Testament says many, many times, if you are in that adulterous relationship, if you're in an adulterous sort of affair, you remember what the Old Testament says in that covenant that God made with his people? He said, uh, that person is to, uh, is to be stoned to death. And it was to communicate how serious God was about the, uh, the very foundation of the nation of Israel, how key the family was, and how important this marriage relationship was to be. If you find yourself tempted to involve yourself emotionally or physically in an intimate way with someone other than your spouse, you are cheating. And can I just throw in, men and women, that if we are regularly viewing explicit material then we're actually changing the neurons in our brain to be triggered on something that isn't really real. And we are emotionally attaching ourselves to the images that we see. If you want to blow up your marriage, if you want to kill it, involve yourself with someone else other than your spouse emotionally and physically. If that's your intention, if you want to blow this up, if you want to kill it, then make sure that you go out and you find someone and involve yourself emotionally and physically. Now how do you define emotional cheating? Emotional cheating can be so many different things, which makes it a little harder to define. But as I looked through that this week, emotional cheating can be so simple too. Is there someone of the opposite sex with whom you share more than your spouse? Do you share your dreams with them? Your greatest ambitions and goals, what you really hope for in life? Is there someone uh, with whom you are, uh, you are very open and honest with in a way that you're not being with your spouse? 
If you're going home and it's quiet and there's a level of communication uh, that is dropping through the basement floor and yet you're finding yourself in a relationship with someone of the opposite sex with whom you share a whole lot, uh, your favorite vacation spot, uh, all the dreams that you might have, where you would like to retire, then perhaps you are cheating emotionally on your spouse. But that's not the only way. That's not, those aren't the only ways that you might be cheating on your spouse. When you and I choose to spend more time at the office, when you and I choose that our career goals, when you and I choose that our hobbies get the acceptance and time that really belongs to our spouse, we're cheating. Because what we're saying to our spouse is that you're not quite as important as my hobby, as my work. I'm going to give my acceptance to someone other or something other than you. I was looking at a book, uh, it was entitled something like... uh, Choosing to Cheat. It was a really catchy title. I, I had seen it before. And I was reading through this uh, particular book this past week, and, and they were talking about this dynamic of, of the fact that sometimes spouses will choose to cheat in regards to the time they give to something else. I thought this is really intriguing. Uh, they said, you know, it's, it's like this. Now, let's say that uh, your best friend comes in and says, hey, I have this 30-pound rock. And you trust this person. You actually would say that you love this person. You enjoy their, their company. It happens to be a Saturday afternoon. Hey, can you help me out? Sure, I'll help you out. So you come up, you hand them a 30-pound rock, and you say, I, I want you to... St- now, you got to use your imagination here, okay? But you give them a 30-pound rock, and you say, I want you to stand right here. Go ahead, just, just stand. Are you standing? Is everybody standing? Do you have the 30-pound rock in your hand? Is it heavy? Not yet. So you stand there. Now you're committed because this is person uh, is a person that you trust. You, you appreciate them. You, you are in this good relationship with them. And here you are holding this 30-pound rock. And they say, you know what? I have some errands to go run, but I'm going to be right back. But you have to stay right here. You can't move. You can't drop the rock. You, you need to make sure that you're holding the rock. Otherwise, it's not going to go well. So there you are. You're holding the rock. You hold the rock for an hour and your arms are, and your shoulders are starting to get tired. But, but you've committed that you're going to stand in this spot holding the 30-pound rock. A half hour goes by. My boy, I, I really hope they get by, back soon. I can't believe it's taken them this long. Another half hour. It's been two hours now and you see their car pulling the driveway and you're thinking, whew, all right, finally, finally, we're going to get some relief. They get out of the car. Uh, you notice something strange because they, they leave their car running and they jump out and they come to you and they, uh, they come up to you and they say, how are things going? 
Great, good, fantastic. Uh, you say, I'm a little tired. Okay, good. Could just, could just continue to hold the rock, would you please? I have to go back out. I have some other things to do, but I'll try and be right back. Uh, before you could get it out of your mouth that you don't want to hold this rock anymore, uh, they're back in their car and, and out the driveway. So there you are. Another hour goes by. You're really sore now, and you're not even, uh, you're not even thinking of all the good things. You're not thinking of the promise that you made to them. Uh, you're just thinking about how angry you are that they have left you in this spot holding the stupid rock. Are you angry yet? Because I am. I'm tired of holding this rock. Another hour goes by. It's starting to get a little colder outside. Uh, you can't hardly feel your hands and your, any of your limbs. Uh, you're, you're tired of holding the rock. And they don't even pull in the driveway. Someone else who happened to be working with them pulls in the driveway and says, Oh, I'm sorry, they're not going to be home for a while. You're seething. It's dark. You see the lights pull into the driveway. It's late. You've been holding the rock this entire time. You're looking at the rock. And then they come. Now what, what is it that you're going to do with this rock? You're tempted to take that 30-pound rock and say, I'm going to give you a rock. You've left me here all day holding this rock. Or let's say, let's say, let's say that you accidentally, right before they pull up into the driveway, let's say that you drop the rock. And this rock is, for some reason, made out of that sort of material that when you dropped it, it just shattered. And here they come, and, and the minute that you drop it, I mean, your arms just gave out. You couldn't hold the rock anymore. And they came up out of the driveway, and they looked at you, and they said, Well, what happened? Why'd you drop the rock? How could you drop the rock? I mean... When you and I choose to cheat with our time, when you and I choose to say of our careers and our hobbies and our work that they deserve more time than our spouse, what we're doing is we're handing our spouses 30-pound rocks and saying, here, you handle this all on your own. When we hand our spouses 30-pound rocks, don't anticipate that when we come home, we're going to get something other than a cold shoulder. We have to be ready and willing to say, I'm going to do something other than just give you a 30-pound rock. In this book that I was reading, I appreciated what they said. They said this, When we're absent at critical junctures in family, we're left holding the rock. When we find ourselves pointing to the future to somehow make up for the past and the present, they, our family, our spouse, are holding the rock. When we assure our families that things are going to change, but they don't, we let them hold the rock. And so people, I'm, I'm asking you, are you cheating? 
Are you involving yourself in some way in an intimate relationship, emotionally or physically, with someone who isn't your spouse? Are you cheating in regards to the kind of time that something other than your spouse gets, that you're setting a priority of your work and your hobbies and your career goals more than you are your your spouse? Are you cheating? And if you want to say, no, no, everything's good right now, then can I give you some things to think about? Can I allow you to to make some different kind of decisions that will make sure that you avoid planting this grenade in your marriage? Because there are some priorities that you can make right now, today, to make sure that you don't blow up your marriage. There are some things that you can do to make sure uh, that you don't kill your marriage today. And that you don't kill your marriage in the future. The first one is this. And it might seem obvious. You have to prioritize intimacy physically and emotionally with your spouse. You have to prioritize physical and emotional intimacy with your spouse. And when we make physical and emotional intimacy with our spouses important and a priority, uh, we have all sorts of other things that will happen as we do that. When we begin to say, I'm going to be uh, emotionally uh, and, and physically, I'm going to make those two things a priority with my spouse, then a whole lot of other things come to the forefront. And i got to make sure that I'm working in my marriage consistently to make sure that I'm listening. Because if we're not making emotional and spiritual and uh, physical intimacy a priority in our marriage, I can almost guarantee that eventually in your marriage, at some point, you are going to be tempted to cheat. You're going to be tempted to look for that someone who will provide for you the one thing that your spouse is really there to provide for you. Husbands and wives, you are the only legitimate avenue for your spouse emotionally and physically. You shouldn't be sharing more with someone else than you are with your spouse. And so, in another sermon, remember, withholding. If you are withholding emotionally or physically, then don't be surprised when cheating happens. You are the avenue and make it a priority. Now, not only should you make that a priority, but you should make... Communication, honest, open, transparent communication, a priority in your marriage. And here's what I mean. Spouses, you ought to be able to look at your husband or your wife's cell phone at any time for any reason. You ought to be able to have the passwords for all of the emails that your spouse has. There ought to be no secret email. There ought to be nothing on the cell phone that is surprising. I guarantee I could hand today over to Joe Lynn. I could just say, here's my cell phone. Here's all my text messages. Go for it. 
And we can't be threatened by that because what we're saying is, you know what? I'm an open book. I am your spouse. I'm not threatened by this at all. You can see anything that you want to see in me because you are my spouse. I'm an open book. Have all my passwords. Have all of my emails. Look at all of my text messages. It's all yours. If you are going to avoid trying to plant a grenade in your marriage, if you're going to avoid cheating, then there has to be a consistent and constant, open, transparent, honest communication in your marriage. And, and, and couples, can I tell you that one of the things that if you'll do this, it will transform your marriage, but it's hard, is to honestly share your temptations with your spouse. And some of you are thinking, well, I couldn't possibly share my temptation with my spouse because uh, my temptation is to, to go outside of my spouse. But if you will do that, and spouses, if you hear your spouse sharing that kind of temptation, then what they're trying to tell you is, I want to be married to you. These are temptations in my life. And I need you to help me figure out how to overcome those things. I'm communicating that because I desperately want to avoid cheating. So when you hear your spouse's temptations, when you hear the things that they're tempted to do most, uh, don't respond with anger or angst. Try and support that and say, you know what? I'm glad that you told me. If you want to avoid killing your marriage, open, honest, transparent communication has to be there in every area. You've got to be an open book. And if you're going to avoid cheating in the office and with your hobbies, then you have to make sure that your time is more spent with your spouse than anybody else. Your time is important and what you say, if you do something other than spend time with your spouse, is you are communicating in a very clear way, my job, my hobbies are more important than you. And what they're going to hear in that is, I really reject you. If you want to avoid killing your marriage, then you need to make three priorities. You need to allow your husband and your, 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 husband and your wife to prioritize physical and emotional intimacy. You need to prioritize communication, open, honest, and transparent. And you need to prioritize how you use your time. Now I know some of you are thinking, how I've defined cheating is unlike anything that you have ever heard. And some of you didn't walk in thinking you're cheating, but maybe as you sit here you're thinking, man, am I cheating? So I want to leave you with an opportunity for restoration. I want you to know that you're not beyond hope. If you want to be restored... The first thing you have to do is recognize that you're cheating. 
Don't allow there to be any level of justification. Oh, I, I was providing or, uh, oh, you, you weren't giving me what I wanted. No, no justification. I'm cheating. I'm cheating. Maybe it's a moment where you get down on your hands and knees before God and go, God, there's no justification. I got no excuses good enough for this. I want you to hear that I was cheating. The second thing you need to do is you need to repent. Repent means that I have to stop what I'm doing right now and I have to live in pursuit of God. I have to recognize what I've done and I have to turn toward God and I have to repent and say, God, what I have done is wrong. I've cheated on my spouse in one way or another. And I desperately need to pursue you. Now listen, listen. If you get this out of order, you will get it wrong. If you do not pursue God first, you will not be able to pursue your spouse later. You have to pursue God in repentance before you can pursue your spouse again. Listen to what David said. David, considered a man after God's own heart, which we'll get into some point, did some pretty awful things at times. One of them was he cheated. Took one of his mighty men's wives and cheated. And in Psalm 51, we see a verbal, poetic prayer. A prayer of repentance and how David pursued God. In order to be restored. Listen to some of his words. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion. Blot out my transgression. Wash away my iniquity. Cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. He's owning it. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You, uh, you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will cleanse and, wa- and wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And perhaps if you find yourself in the middle of a cheat, then perhaps you can meditate over and over and you can allow David's words in Psalm 51 to be your own. Lord, I pray this. I'm praying this over and over to you. Uh, Let this be true of me. Cleanse me. And make me white as snow. And when you are in pursuit of God, then you can be in pursuit of your spouse again. When you have pursued God and been restored to Him, then you can find yourself in restoration with your spouse, but not in any other order. Gang, if you want to kill your marriage, you can cheat on it. If you want to avoid it, you got to make certain priorities.
If you want to restore it, you got to pursue God. If you want to do that, couples, I want to encourage you. We have a, a May 17th couples night. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be I think, uh, child care. We're going to be providing child care. It's 30 bucks. Would you make an investment in your marriage to come for $30 to say, I am all in on my marriage. I'm going to make different priorities and I'm going to make sure that I never cheat. Will you make that a priority with your spouse to come that day and say, I'm going to make sure that I don't plant a grenade in my marriage. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord God, we're reminded that even though the nation of Israel cheated on you, Lord, you sought her out. You loved her. And Lord, I pray that all of us in this room, as we, as we try and have healthy, growing, vibrant marriages, Lord, that we will not cheat. And that we will pursue you and pursue our spouses. Lord, help us to demonstrate to our spouse the same sort of love that you demonstrated to all of your people. Lord, I pray for the marriages that in, are in this room that may be in, in peril. I pray for the marriages that, that might be struggling, that are hanging by a string. Lord, I pray that you would begin to weave the thread of your goodness around that one final thread and I pray that you would strengthen it and you would grow it and Lord there would be a pursuit of you in order to pursue their spouse and Lord I pray that the marriages that maybe maybe showed signs of breaking or cheating Lord that, that there's an exodus from that and you will intervene Lord strengthen the marriages in Whiting Christian Church that others in our community could say of our body of believers, you know what? I want to see what happens because I've seen what Jesus does in great marriages. Lord, guide us to that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.